Managing data and security is a top concern for many businesses. Today, we talk to the partner of one of the fastest growing providers of managed cloud services for businesses in New Hampshire about IT trends, what it takes to grow during a pandemic, and how investing in culture has given his firm a strategic advantage. I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt. Yes. Um, are you a, are you, would you consider yourself a techie? <laughs> not like a Star Trek. Not a not trekkie, a trekkie. Not a trekkie. Not a trekkie. A techie. A techie. Like, I'm are probably you... closer to a trekkie than a techie, okay. let me tell you. Oh, you dear. know, I'm sort of like, you know, remember Kubrick's Space Odyssey movie there? And the monkeys at the beginning, they oh, come across okay. the monolith yes. and they hit it with bone. Yes. That's me with a computer anytime there's okay. a problem. I, I am nicknamed the button pushing monkey. Like, oh I can, God. I'm fine as long as it's working. And the minute it doesn't, um, <laughs> my temper might come out a bit. Like, yeah, no. The it's, minute it's it not doesn't, good. you got to call somebody like our guest today, right? So, so, so how about you? Are you, are uh, you a tech, techie? I, I think so. I, I tend to, um, I think so. <laughs> well, that and I say that like, him. well, I don't know. I, 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 I sometimes think, geez, this is what I should have like, you know, gone to school for because I enjoy it. I love kind of troubleshooting, but I, and I also just understand things. And of course, everybody in my family calls me for like, you know, tech advice. I have an uncle who runs a business and he's always like, I can't get this file to this and that. And I can, and my iPad is this. And I'm like, okay, calm down. This is going to be fine. We'll work through it. You know, so I'm, I'm that guy to the family. You are now on my speed dial. Well, that's fine. I'll help you. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I like it. It's intuitive. Not like the hardware stuff so much, although that is interesting, but like, you know, troubleshooting and, and all that. And yeah, it's I'm just, always the late adopter. I'm never going to be the first one yeah. out. I'm yeah. like, yeah, let, let other people go get that phone or whatever and figure out all the bugs. And then I'll eventually <laughs> come along. Like I still play CD. Okay. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I am getting into streaming. That's that's how much that's a so technologist nice. I am not. We still have a DVD player at home. It's mostly because we have a few random DVDs that the kids like, but it's like this box on top of, you know, under the TV that's on the wall. And it's like, why do we have this? Can we just move this thing? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. In our last <laughs> move, I finally got rid of the last of the BH tapes oh wow <laughs> hello yep okay so original question are you a techie the answer is no 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 <laughs> i wish but no another beautiful rabbit hole here on bizcast uh let's rock and roll our guest this week is dan bergeron founding partner at nashua-based skyterra technologies dan has an extensive information technology career in the financial services and value-added reseller industries after serving as an assistant vice president and manager of messaging technologies at wellington management dan became a lead solutions architect at presidio a member of the exclusive Microsoft Partner Advisory Board, he's highly engaged and exposed to the cutting edge of technology, which he's often asked to present and discuss at companies, associations, and chambers of commerce. A native of New Hampshire and a very proud of his French-Canadian heritage, Dan enjoys the outdoors, hiking, snowboarding, and scenic rides on his motorcycle when he can squeeze it in. When not on the slopes, he can be found attending one of his children's numerous baseball or soccer games. We can certainly relate to some of that. Dan, welcome. Great to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, you know what? Let's start out this way. I always like to set kind of a foundation and, and have you almost, in a way, give us the pitch. But um, let us know what Skyterra does with and, and for its clients. So, similar to you guys, um, 
technically, we're, I'm not a techie. Uh, I really enjoyed oh, it, fixing it, it, things. So I got into this world of uh, technology more so because everything was broken. And people used to call me up and we'd, we'd get into technology. Mm. Um, eventually landed at uh, Wellington, as you, as you noted, and mm-hmm. um, spent about 17 years there. Um, then went to the dark side uh, at Presidio, as I like to call it, at bar. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, where I called it the dark side because I liked meeting with customers mm-hmm. um, and then and providing them solutions and the such. But at the end of the day, they liked to sell hardware. Um, they like to then the and the, the the different vendors out there actually enjoyed pushing them to sell hardware. So mm. it wasn't about the customer. Uh, that inspired me to reach out to a couple of my old friends, and we we started Skyterra on the premise of you know really tr- providing solutions. And I think we were we we got into the game at the right time because what ended up happening was Microsoft is really starting to. Uh, get their groove themselves mm. in, the, in the Microsoft cloud. Okay. And the things that we used to deploy with millions of dollars when I was in the enterprise, we could bring it to a small business or medium-sized business for peanuts. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, I, I can imagine that this has been, I mean, it's been a crazy two years anyhow, but I'm sure there must have been a run on serv- a demand of your services in light of businesses suddenly finding most of their workforce remote and some of them haven't yet like myself to return to the office um what has what are customers coming to you with right now what 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 was the the pandemic start like and and where are we at now so we were very bizarre at the beginning of the pandemic we we actually heard crickets for the first couple weeks and we were wondering why we had about 150 customers at the time and we were like all right everybody's going home what's going on so we we started calling them and asking them, why are you guys not calling us? What's going on in your organizations and the such? Um, what we found is a lot of them were like, no, we're doing great. You guys put us in a great position going to the cloud. Um, nice. You know, we have a couple little things here and there. And uh, oddly enough, we really got into the telephony business because at that time, phone systems were the biggest pain for most of our existing mm. customers. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, they're all the Via, Cisco systems on-prem they just couldn't use because everybody was at home. So they said, can you move these things to the cloud? So we quickly started moving about two customers a week up to Microsoft Teams uh, voice systems. And um, we ended up being uh, one of the top 10 Microsoft partners in the country for doing Teams voice because we just started calling all our customers and we moved tens of thousands of uh, people to the Microsoft voice solution at the time. Wow. What was your reaction from Microsoft that all of a sudden you were on their radar? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's, uh, we got a weird phone call from him and said, yeah, we, um, we'd like to ask you what you guys are doing for uh, Microsoft Voice because you're one of the top 10 partners in the country. And we said, well, what do you mean by that? And they're like, well, what kind of marketing campaign did you do, et cetera? And I said, well, we just called our customers and asked them, you know, what their pain points were. And uh, mm-hmm. that was the number one pain point at the time. Um, and, you know, fast forward to today, we're still doing probably just as much voice because that still is a pain point. And people working remotely coming back into the office uh, want a very consistent uh, environment to work with. But it's uh, it was very interesting. We did uh, we had uh, others where we had done uh, moved their whole environment up to the cloud desktop as a service and um, their infrastructure and everything and uh, probably did it, you know, years of before the pandemic. And we called them up and they're like, hey, you know, don't know how you guys had the fourth thought to do this, but mm. 
you did it and we're in a great place. He's like, I, they're talking to their industry peers and they were in a better spot. So really what came about is we ended up getting a lot more referrals from our existing customers um, to do and save them um, similarly. Also got some weird calls from competitors uh, looking for help <laughs> uh, because they were still deploying legacy stuff on-prem and they're trying to access stuff on-prem. Um, you know, we turned on those calls because, you know, we were concentrating on our own customers, but it was, uh, it was an interesting time. Yeah. Now, you've landed on Business New Hampshire Magazine's 10 Companies to Watch a couple of times, and that's based on revenue growth, high revenue growth. Can you talk about, um, you know, what what the company looked like when you started and where you're at now and what it took to get there? Yeah, it was, um, we had a little bit of a, well, I thought it was a slow start, right? Because um, we didn't uh, fully commit the first year. We were just uh, put our toe in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, the second year, we grew f- fairly rapidly. And then, uh, quite honestly, we actually stayed pretty flat for about three years. We had a, a, one of the partners that we started with really had a different vision than we did. Um, and um, we ended up parting ways with the individual. And not they are a little dirty laundry, but did. That's uh, what happens in business. That's though, what right? happens in business. Yeah. We live and learn. Um, which, um, But, you know, what we, uh, my partner Darren and I, um, said, what, um, what do we really do well? Mm. And we said, we execute well. Um, the customers love us. And um, when you listen and you do the right thing and you have the right ethics, um, as one of my customers said, you know, you're, you make it so that we're, you're not selling to us, but you're making it that we want to buy from you. And because you put, you put out such a great product. And it's, it's really flattering when we have customer after customer with that consistent message. Um, and we've grown primarily through that type of um, referral, uh, customer referral to referral. We didn't have our first salesperson until last year. Um, and I don't even consider that we really started doing proactive sales until this year. Um, so we made the, the top, uh, top five, top 10 to, to, to watch without really having a proactive sales uh, uh, program. Interesting. I love and, that. <laughs> and that's one of the things I find intriguing about your company, which is that you haven't had a formal sales team. Um, can you talk about why that is and what is the structure you have in place and how it works? Well, really foundationally, it, it comes down to the people, right? And everybody's a salesperson, um, and, um, but they're not. So if you do the right thing um, and we hire people who have similar mindset, um, you end up finding that your, your employees truly are your number one asset and they really are the number one salespeople. If a customer is referring you because, you know, Cindy did this or Derek did that or Aaron did this, they will constantly refer you over and over again. And we get several of those calls a week. Um, so where you get these marketing companies saying, hey, buy a list, we'll get you some uh, really good candidates. We're getting those natively. So mm. um, that foundation of having investing in your people and having a, a good foundation right from the start is how we, we succeed. Yeah. So instead of salespeople, if I'm understanding correctly, your engineers and project managers are just part of engaging with your customers from the get-go. Yep. Even the accounting uh, team is really engaging with the, with the different uh, individuals at the organization. So it's mm-hmm. from everybody in the company. What, what will end up happening is our customers actually – uh, will come to us and say, I have a friend, and lo and behold, we're, 
we're all over North America and all over the world doing mm. business um, at this point because of the rever- the the ability to have um, the spread. Um, in fact, it's kind of interesting being a New Hampshire-based company. Seventy um, percent of our revenue does not come from New England. Oh wow! Um, because we've spread all over the world, um, and uh, with. And we were doing the cloud before the cloud was cool, as I like to call it, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, right, right. So our, even our employees are, are scattered throughout North America. Mm-hmm. We have people in Florida, Texas, uh, Kansas, uh, Vancouver. Um, it's all, all over the country, so it's, it's great. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's talk about the employees a little, a little bit and, and just kind of company culture too. You've uh, been named amongst the best companies to work for. So in terms of, of benefits and elements of the, the culture, um, of, for the employees, um, what do you think they're enjoying most and, and what is, um, what are some catalysts in terms of how you are maintaining and building that culture? And I guess now this is sort of a, a, a secondary knowing that, not all of your your uh, employees are here in New Hampshire. How do you manage that as well? So it, it's a really difficult ask, right? Because mm-hmm. you're 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 having a remote culture. You're having these people who are kind of isolated. And it was funny. I was interviewing a guy yesterday who kind of said it best. He's like, "I don't like where I am today because I feel like Tom Hanks." And I'm like, "In Castaway or Terminal?" <laughs> Right. So so he he was like, well, Castaway. And I'm like, well, so I think we like the Tom Hanks from Terminal a little bit better. Right. Where you have these individuals who may be on their own, but they're making friends throughout the terminal. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then as you see that movie evolve, you're you're he's finding ways to get through and he's got a supporting cast around them. Um, And I think um, you know, one of my one of the my colleagues said it best. Um, he worked with us over at Wellington, and he said, "You know, um, we have a lot of our things that we used to do there. Um, you know, we used to call it the the, the Wellington Way, right? Is the the, the tagline? Mm-hmm. It's now the Skyterra Way a little bit." Mm-hmm. And uh, he said it best. He goes, "We took all the great things that we used to do there, um, and we brought it over to here." And one of the things that was interesting is um, we used to have to do a dozen interviews to get into Wellington. Everybody had to go. So by the end of your interview cycle, you might have been three or four weeks, and you're, you're exhausted. But you knew, you should know, whether you wanted the job or not. Yeah, after right? that much time. And, and yeah. one of the things we figured out with this whole remote workforce thing is we're trying to do like at least five to eight interviews in a week. And mm. sometimes a candidate will say, are you guys crazy? Um, and the reality is, no, that's the right thing to do because um, you need to like tell the, the person interviewing with us, you need to interview us as much as we're interviewing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if you don't feel like you're in the right spot, don't just turn down the position. We're not going to beg you to come here. Um, and it's worked out great. Um, I think almost anybody who's made it to the, the final line is, has accepted the job and moved forward. Um, and we've had very little turnover. Um, we had one individual leave, and uh, interestingly enough, he started his. Uh, he went to work for his best friend, and now we're their managed service provider. Oh. So he didn't really leave. Um, and another individual had a just you know a position that he couldn't uh, pass up. So mm. he he went on, and that's okay. Um, having you know technically two people leave in three years is uh, quite the accomplishment. That's pretty good numbers. 
Dan, if there's one industry that's always changing, it's got to be technology. Um, how do you and your team manage the near what I would consider near constant changes, updates, new technology, all of this coming to market? Um, how do you, I guess, inform your employees, your customers, and just manage all of that change? Or it's does a, it feel like that much change? Uh, no, it's uh, it, it changes daily. Oh, uh, so it, it absolutely changes daily. So um, it's really tough. It's I think it's um, working with the right customers mm. and and educating them through the, the through the whole uh, journey to the cloud and setting the expectations of that. Um, and that's why I think we've been very successful is that we've set those expectations. And when, you know, something does happen out there, um, they're more prepared for it and they're, they've educated their organizations about it. Um, I, we also try to, you know, not stay bleeding edge, you know, to, to Matt's point earlier, um, but the, we're, 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 we definitely are on the fringe because, um, you know, that's why people come to us because we are typically out there doing some more of the event, uh, the, uh, the bigger things out there and especially cybersecurity. Um, you know, um, as I like to say, you, you can't fix stupid, but we can try to mitigate it. Um, <laughs> mitigate stupid. I like that. <laughs> so it, it's, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's where really what security has come to, right? Mm. Um, you're, the poor people in these organizations um, are being tricked and, and, and trolled and fished. Um, and you can put security in, but if you put, I guess there's a, a good way of putting it, you, you can't um, make it so that they can't work. So you have to give, put in security uh, components that they can still do their job, mm-hmm. do it effectively, um, and you don't put it into a position that they're circumventing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to listen to the customer and their, bi- and not just the customer, the business. Um, we deal with uh, financial services, uh, Defar- Department of Defense con- uh, contractors, manufacturing, uh, retail. Um, they all have a different level of tolerance. Um, and and you have to you have to understand that. And in other in some cases, it's like ten percent of the business really has to be tight, and ninety percent doesn't. So you have it's not a one size fits all. Um, and what's really neat is because we don't stick with one vertical, um, we can take what we learn with one and and adapt it to another. Um, and I think that you know goes back to troubleshooting. Um, it's troubleshooting. Like these companies all do things differently and you need to navigate it differently. And that's probably the biggest challenge, right? Especially if, when you're doing the managed services aspect mm-hmm. of it. Client one does one thing, client two does another. They have different tolerances. Yeah. And, and switching from one to another is a little bit, is probably the diff, most difficult thing that we do. Interesting. Um, can you just help maybe to, for the, you know, in, in layman's terms, as it were, you've said managed services a few times. It's kind of the, the heart of what's going on here. But um, what is, what is managed, being a managed service provider or, or um, managed services themselves? It's, it's obviously you're, you're working with Microsoft, you're providing and, and deploying a lot of what they have created, but, and is, and then you're managing that after it's deployed within a company. Is that essentially what managed services? Um, for the most part that that's accurate, okay. but what's a little bit different mm-hmm. is that um, each company really needs to concentrate on their business, right? Mm-hmm. You're not there to, um, 
you're there to augment their IT staff, augment their business, uh, and enable their business, right? Um, they shouldn't, it's just like in our business, we're not in the real estate business. I don't need to go hang drywall. Even though it's my roots, I'm not <laughs> going to go hang drywall anymore. Um, what, what we do is we take care of technology. So we concentrate on that and we don't go out of our area of expertise. Mm-hmm. So if we're working with um, you know, a company who's doing manufacturing, we're going to work with them on providing the technology, enable them so that they can concentrate on manufacturing mm. or in the financial services. Darren and I, oddly enough, at the beginning of COVID, um, worked with a couple of other individuals and we started another company called uh, Skylytics that does IoT, uh, intelligent, uh, continued intelligence. Uh, which is really helping the cust- the business to do more, mm-hmm. right? With the data is, that they have, et cetera. Is IoT is that Internet of Things. Internet of Things. Yes. So they're going in and grabbing sensors and monitoring mm. where people are, and um, they're doing a lot of uh, a lot of data analytics to help those businesses to go to the next level. Nice. But um, it's a different mindset as well. This is mm. why it's a different organization. We didn't try to do it at Skyterra, sure, um, because it's not in our core and we didn't want to confuse things just mm. like a regular business doesn't want to confuse things we um we thought it was best to have it as a separate organization yeah makes sense it makes sense interesting and i want to go back to you brought up uh, security you know let's talk about cyber attacks i mean obviously that's been the headlines of the last couple of years people are more aware of them but um i think People often also think it's a, a problem for large organizations. Can you talk about what is the prevalence of cyber attacks and, and who's being victimized by them? So it's absolutely everywhere. Um, and it, we see it quite often a lot of times when we bring new customers in. Um, we turn on their licensing, the monitoring, and we find out people have been compromised for months, if not years. Um, so it's, it's an interesting di- dynamic because huh. we bring so many new customers on. It's always something we're watching for, um, but it doesn't matter what vertical you're in. It's it's out there everywhere. There's um, it's it's a very interesting discussion because I actually, um, as I started doing some work with the government and uh, talking to them, and I was like, well, the whole Jedi project came out a couple of years ago, and I was asking one of the CIOs uh, for one of the, the the big three acronyms in the Beltway. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like why would you guys move to the cloud? Um, like, that didn't make sense to me because I said, all these other businesses are doing it, but why are you guys doing it? And um, he shared with me, he's like, well, it's more secure. We can get things done faster and, and, and such. And so I said, you need to tell me a little bit more about this because I, I, I get it, but is it really what, I mean, did you drink too much Kool-Aid? And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he, says, he says, well, here's the scoop. I said, we used to buy, you know, EMC arrays and Cisco this and HP that, and 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 we would it would take us six to nine months to to get the stuff ordered, and then we put it together, and then we had to get all the right firmware and security, and then you had gaps between. So mm-hmm. he's like a year or two before we even touch. He goes, "We are the government. It, we were slow as molasses." <laughs> um, so he goes, "The the the ability for them to just go and let Microsoft or AWS." have that ability to secure the environments for them Mm. and trust them to do so uh, was huge. Um, And that's where they found a a greater amount of security because they don't have all these other vendors that they had to secure and and validate. So I was like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, And and as we started going through it with our customers, 
that's really what they're looking for too, is this consolidation of technologies. And, you know, granted there's great products like CrowdStrike and ArticWolf and all these others out there. Um, but most of our businesses are looking to keep it simple, stupid, right? Consol- use the technologies that they have, mm-hmm. not have to buy 10 different products. Yeah. And that lack of complexity for them, again, allows them to have, feel more secure. And Microsoft has 10,000 people um, watching over their cloud. If they screw up, I mean, their stock goes down. They're, everybody's going to Google or AWS or somewhere else. You have to think that they're going to do the right thing and find the yeah. stuff faster. Exactly, exactly. Um, I would love to, for a minute, because you mentioned your roots earlier, and I want to dig into that because I'm curious if you actually did hang drywall, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, you, a few moons ago, we'll say, uh, studied at Northeastern University. Are you originally from New Hampshire or Massachusetts or New Hampshire. else? You so, are. Okay. Uh, grew nice. up in the west side of Manchester. Nice. Um, didn't speak English until I was five, which was, you know. Cut it out. Most of Manchester didn't uh, speak English at the time. That's true, right? Um, And then uh, eventually moved up to uh, the Plymouth area, grew up in Campton, New Hampshire. And Mm -hmm. um, actually, my partner Darren and I met uh, up there. We were both moved into Campton. Um, Was shell-shocked a little bit going from like (laughs) big schools down in southern New Hampshire. (laughs) He was from Mass. um, To, you know, kindergarten through through, uh, eighth was 300 people. But it's also a place where we got to get I, it's just a really great place to grow up and, and learn you know um, things and uh, uh, whether it's family and and culture and everything else it's just um have to admit i can't wait to move back up there um it's <laughs> a, it's a beautiful place up there and uh, but yeah new hampshire is a great place to to to, to be um that's um all of it's funny listen to our employees across the country um, they, they all love it here. Um, and we try to fly them back in, uh, at least once a year to do some, some mm-hmm. su- sort of event, keep it close. Nice. Nice. So, um, but you mentioned, oh, and I, and I have to ask this and then I'm like, I always say, I'm, then I'm going to let Matt yeah. ask the real question. <laughs> but you said earlier that you, you don't hang drywall, although that's your roots. Did you hang drywall? Well, at some point in your life, if if you're French Canadian in Southern New Hampshire, almost your family did, right? <laughs> you're um, so my father, funny enough, he's 72 and still hangs. I love um, it. And uh, we, yeah, I grew up um, 12 years old uh, going to the job. We were doing some uh, sanding up at uh, Village of Loon, um, heading up there, and it was my birthday, and went to work with my dad. And um, you know, have to admit, um, I think it's one of the things that. Uh, probably is a good and a bad thing. Um, every job I've ever had since um, mm. has been easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you kind of have appreciation for things. But honestly, um, yeah, I, went, uh, I, did, um, I wasn't even going to go to college. You mentioned Northeastern. I mm. wasn't going to go to school, to be honest with you. I uh, graduated in 91, and the, the, market, uh, the market was awful the, uh, around right. here. So there was no work. Um, and then my uh, guidance counselor was funny. She pulled me into the uh, she pulled me into the guidance office and she says, "You're not going to college." She's like, y- "You're one of the top kids in the grade." And I'm wow. like, "I'm what?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she convinced me to you know apply to a couple schools. And I said, "Well, Northeastern seems like a good place. They got a co-op." I was kind of a workaholic, um, and I went there as a, and I looked in the Boston Globe and I said, "Oh, electrical engineering looks like it pays well." Maybe I'll go give that a shot. Went to Northeastern, um, did pretty well. I, at least I thought so. Um, but then I didn't like electrical engineering mm. um, because I 
I really wanted to work with people. Yeah. Um, and my first co-op interviews, I noticed that engineering isn't what I thought it was. I thought mm-hmm. it was like, you know, a bunch of people in a room figuring things out. Yeah. And, and, um, it was really, uh, more of, a, here's your point solution. You go draft this or CAD or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then, um, my co-op advisor said, you should go, um, look at MIS. And I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, so I, they, they, uh, sent me on a couple of interviews and I'm like, this is what I like to do. Uh, I'm like, I get to go and listen to people's problems and try to fix them. Um, really had nothing to do with computers. Um, it, my whole career, I think really at the end of the day has nothing to do with computers. It's, it's about listening to problems and, and really just correlating things, um, and figuring out solutions. Um, and it's, it's kind of a hoot because most of our organization, I don't think almost anybody likes computers. Um, it, we, we, we are not programmers. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're people who like to problem solve. Um, and, um, we also like people we like, and I think that's why going back to being a, a remote organization, we're able to, because we, we have our happy hours every Friday. Um, we turned them off last summer, uh, the, and people started to join even without having a formal happy hour. So <laughs> we're like, all right, we'll just continue doing them. And yeah. they went on for hours every Friday and they haven't stopped since. Cool. That's one way to have a happy workforce there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. You know, you know, not for a guidance counselor, you know, someone who was not going to go to college now runs one of the fastest growing firms in the state. Um, so, you know, I want to talk to you to a little bit more about Skylytics. I mean, most companies are trying, we're just trying to hang on during the pandemic. You're not only, you know, growing the company during that, but you're like, Hey, let's start a second company. So how is Skylytics doing and, and where's the, what's the plan for that company? So Skylytics is doing fantastic. Um, they, um, they launched a great application last year called, uh, the restless network. It's going to be rebranded, um, due to some trademark issues, but, um, they, it's a woman only like Facebook like app. So, uh, <laughs> I advise any of the, uh, anybody in the female audience to mm-hmm. try to log in and check it out. They've, they've been doing great. Um, uh, but they've also, um, gotten into doing a lot of, um, analytics for buildings. So hyper aware buildings, they've gotten into, um, doing work with um, contact tracing. We actually built our own contact tracing solution oh, wow. um, at the beginning of COVID where, you know, we'd have devices and it would note where your proximity and the such for, for places. Um, and we've taken that to help out with, you know, hyperware buildings where if you have a building that's like, let's say, for example, your restrooms are used 30 times, well, maybe it's a trigger to go clean it and mm. not to clean it beforehand. Or if offices and, and, and um, conference rooms are being used, whether janitorial people should go in and, 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 and work in there. Uh, but there's um, a lot of other opportunities working in, you name it, from, um, and should, there's a lot of NDA stuff out there, so I can't get into some of the things, but sure. they're dealing with a lot of things in, you know, wastewater treatment or um, home HVAC systems, um, you know, uh, home automation devices uh it's it's really neat what they've done is um working whether it's with data scientists or there's a lot of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial people out there that have a great idea 
and they need to understand the AI IoT infrastructure mm. behind the scenes. Um, and they're working with them to do that kind of work. Um, the other big thing that they've been working on with some organizations is um, a lot of these companies used to have infrastructure on-prem um, and data centers and the such. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they moved their data up to the cloud, like infrastructure as a service. So just a forklift up there, and it's, it's not efficient. Um, what happens is the consumption of that storage and CPU and everything else is, is costing a lot of money. Uh, what the cloud providers have done is they've created these things called uh, uh, platform as a service or macro, uh, microservices. And if you redevelop your code using that, it's a fraction of the cost and much more efficient, much more resilient. Um, and you can, you know, for like I said, a fraction, 10% of the cost at times, you can deploy what you would have done uh, before, and it's a lot easier to deploy as well. And a lot of the customers are actually having a lot of success with that as well. Sweet. I want to go a little bit back to what you had mentioned before in passing, which was, I, I know you're rebranding it, but Restless, you said it's like a Facebook app, uh, but aimed specifically at women. Why develop that? And, and what's the reaction to it? Um, so it was brought to us from... Um, a, I'm not actually sure the exact referral, but it was an organization that was looking for, had a thought. And what they said is they, they wanted to get on the phone and said, we have this vision of what we want to do. How would you guys deploy it? Um, so, um, you know, Mike, uh, Mike and Mike, uh, there's the two partners that really run <laughs> the day to day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Mike and Mike. Mike and Mike. Um, so they, um, they actually got together and they provided a nice vision for, for, for the woman who runs uh, the Restless Network. And they built a nice um, interface and a social platform and all the checks and balances. And um, they, they're looking at doing some m- much more advanced things with it in the future. Um, but it's, it's just really great, the innovation that these, uh, these individuals bring to the, the products that they get into. And, uh, and it's mind-blogging to me that how do they go from something like that to, you know, uh, a company looking to do wastewater treatment and right. count the bubbles in a pipe. Like, wow. right? Because, and you're like, well, what's the ass there? And they're like, well, if there's a lot of bubbles in the mm. pipe, you have a leak. So they, they're, they're working with technologies like that and then they're writing micro strategy solutions. So um, that organization is doing fantastic. And I quite honestly, um, you know, Darren and I often joke, we're, we're like, well, we're doing great and we're going to, you know, we're going to continue to do great. Um, but Skylytics is really the future and is just going to be a massive organization at some point. So what's next for Skyterra? What are the, what's the plans for that firm? So Skyterra has been, um, it's, it's, it's evolving quite, quite rapidly, right? So we're looking at the dynamics of, of the industry. And um, as we're doing managed services, we're actually finding a lot of the customers, um, as we move into the cloud, their, their employees are getting bored, uh, believe it or not. So their IT staff is getting bored. And we've actually had several customers um, ask if we would take their staff and bring them on board to our company. Um, so that's been a development over the past couple of years that has been very successful for us because what happens is a win-win situation. Um, that customer now has retained the, the travel knowledge of the individual because mm. he's working for a trusted company like Skyterra. And 
that individual is now being exposed to other companies and other technologies. And, and you know, because what would happen is these guys were getting, and girls were getting bored um, in their role because mm-hmm. it's not as challenging afterwards, right? So they're, they're like, well, we used to do VMware and hypervisors mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Um, now they're they're managing the cloud and and, and and the such, and it's a little bit easier for them. Um, so that's one thing that's that has evolved. The other thing is definitely the cybersecurity landscape. Um, and uh, the biggest thing in that space is is um, I mean, there's there's the everyday cybersecurity that we have to mitigate, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But the um, but it's evolving in in the demands of the industry is actually really the challenging part. So um, we just went through it ourselves. So our cyber insurance and uh, policy just quadruple. Uh, it went from like twenty six grand to one hundred eight grand year over year. Oh my god! Right. Wow. Um, and we're, we're getting bigger, but the reality is our our. Our, the amount of uh, money that we had insured didn't really change. It's mm. just the premiums went up. Um, <laughs> yep. But those demands are trickling down to everybody. Mm. Um, so we're helping mitigate that with our customers as well, where um, we're saying, all right, so this is how you interpret those requirements from the insurance companies, which are very valid, and it's forcing them to do things that they didn't want to do, sure. right? Um, and we're we're really navigating that much more f- uh, effectively over the past, I'd say, six to nine months. Uh, we probably have an inquiry like that a week, and those are really tough to navigate. A lot of resistance, but then they're getting mandated to do it now. Nice. Um, I'm going to wrap up today by asking a question that I sometimes ask because I, I specifically ask to people who I think that there's like way more that we could unpack, but we never have the time to do it. So, um, in this case, I'll either ask you can, you can choose, um, something we didn't cover today that you want to mention or something that we don't know about you, Dan, that you'd want to share with the audience. (laughs) Oh, that's a surprise question. <laughs> Ta-da, there it is. Give me one second. Yeah, you can have two. So the uh, I, I guess the interesting uh, answer to that is that I um, I was very very shy a few years ago uh, when I worked at uh, Wellington, and it was very interesting. Like I I was I used to be criticized to get in front of a group of three or four people to do a presentation. Mm. Um, and uh, I've very much evolved over the years. I, uh, I actually have to give a lot of credit um, uh, to having to work for uh, this woman, Kristen Nagy, who I ended up, uh, she was a peer of mine, and she was moved into a, a, a more senior role. And then uh, I got moved under, under working for her. And I was absolutely... Uh, excited about it because at the time she knew how to navigate uh, an, or, an organization really well. Mm. So it was, it was a lot of um, fun learning from her. And I took what I learned from her um, and moved it into being in, in this space. And I started building more and more confidence. Um, but it really started with that. I mean, I could not go in front of a, an audience more of two to three people uh, without having a conversation. Here I am today doing a podcast and often going into large groups of people and speaking. Um, yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it really is um, something that's been a, an, an amazing journey to being really shy and being an introvert um, to somebody who feels that, you know, it's, it's, I have something that 
people want to hear and and I want to share that story um, and I, I think it doesn't stop with Sky Terra. I think mm. really quite honestly um, I'm really looking forward to you know the next 10 20 30 years as um, I get into more of working with you know organizations whether it's in charity boards or just you know one-on-one time with teaching people things nice I, I really do um, listen to a lot of people. I'm, I'm actually helping a lot of organizations, you know, going and thinking about what they want to do in the future and inspiring mm-hmm. them to take that leap of faith and, and, and starting their own, their, their own companies. And, um, it just, it's infectious. Um, and I really do enjoy doing that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think that's a great way to wrap a great conversation and a lot of uh, useful information, but also insight and, and whatnot from you. So thank you, Dan. Bergeron is founding partner at Skyterra Technologies. It's been great to, to chat. Yeah, this has been awesome. And you guys have done a very good job. And I appreciate uh, taking the time today. And I hope to talk to you guys more. Oh, you will. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. After two uncertain, often stressful years, high school students have new things to worry about, and that's their financial futures. More than half, 54% of teens say they feel unprepared to finance their futures, according to a new research from Junior Achievement and Citizens Bank. The findings of the 5th Annual JA Teens and Personal Finance Survey indicate wide-ranging concern among teens regarding financial anxiety and the future, which is something that should be reserved for middle-aged folks. More than two-thirds of teens, 69%, say rising education costs have affected their plans for additional education after high school. And that's just a few of the findings of this survey. You can check it out at Junior Achievement or Citizens Bank. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. All right, friends. It's time for me to admit something. Sometimes it's not easy to come up with what I think are interesting topics for all of you for the Cardinal Corner. That's right. I am not Superman. So let's pretend that today is one of those days like having a substitute teacher in elementary school. We're not going to watch a movie or play seven up with our heads on our desks, but I've got some of the 57 fascinating business facts that will blow your mind. Originally published by Buzzfeed. You ready for this? Some of these will know. Some of them will be interesting. Ben and Jerry's is owned by Unilever. I think most of us know that by now. Here's one I bet you don't know. Yahoo, the search engine, is an acronym for yet another hierarchical, officious oracle. Don't ask me. I have no idea. One in 10 Europeans are conceived in an Ikea bed. That's the facts, folks. That's the facts. Google was originally called back rub. Hmm. Okay. Pepsi got its name from the digestive enzyme pepsin. Who knew? Here's one that will make you squirm slightly. That new car smell is made up of over 50 volatile organic compounds. (laughs) And your last one for today, you can purchase a large sheet of uncut U.S. currency through the mail. Okay. Class dismissed. You'll find the full list 
of these 57 fascinating business facts on our blog. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner. Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com, or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.